0: Hey everyone, welcome to another Acts Church Podcast. Glad you're with us today. Uh, my name is Hunter, if you're new with us, and today I've got with me uh, our pastor David Robinson, which we have two David Robinsons, but he's the... We have three. We have three David Robinsons, but he's the youngest of the three. And then we also have with and us... I'm only
1: related to one of them.
0: Right. <laughs> it's just all sorts of confusing. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we also have with us Kristen Wire today. Um, and so we are... All 3 sitting here. It's a beautiful day. So we're outside so you might hear some some bird and wind noise or my but dog. Yeah. 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 This is <laughs> dogs running around. Sniffing
1: around. Cuz <coughs> this is real life people. Let's get real. This yeah. is the outside life. Yeah. So yeah, we're uh, we're gonna talk today. I've got you know we're gonna do a little another one of these kind of millennials and me type things. Uh, um,
2: we never know what we're gonna talk about until yeah. we start, and so I don't just want you as prepared. Surprised as you are,
1: you, you have to be in the same situation that that the person listening is, which is to say, you need to interact with the content as it comes up. So. We're not unprepared. We're fresh. We're, yeah, yeah. Fresh. <laughs> You're funky fresh. So
2: fresh and so clean. mostly
1: funky. Um, okay. So uh, there's nothing, there's nothing particularly millennially about what I want to talk about. I just want to get your sort of thoughts as we, You know, we, we had a sermon on Sunday that went through several, uh, different, it was kind of like a staccato, like pop, 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 um, uh, exhortations from, from Paul to the church in Thessalonica. And Paul is going through a bunch of different exhortations, uh, one at a time. And so what I want to do is I want to kind of hit these things up and I want to see, you know, your experience with them, how, how they hit you, how you react to them. Because some of them I find to be just sort of standard stuff that all believers should know. And some of them I find to be, let's just say, somewhat controversial in the church. So we started in uh, verse 12 in chapter five, it says, and we urge you brethren to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake be at peace among yourselves so he kind of comes out with his first exhortation and it's and it's about leadership and and the people that are you know over you in the lord um and 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 he's not talking about ladders and and people be more valuable than anybody else but he's talking about roles of leadership and the fact that there are people whose job it is in the church to admonish you um and admonishing obviously meaning you know call you to account, provide accountability, uh, you know, scold you if it comes down to it, you know, tell you what needs to happen, uh, authorized by the Lord to do that. Now, I know how I would have reacted to that when I was your age and even how I my flesh wants to react to it today. Uh, and so I'm I want to get your feel on on how does that make you you feel um you know what? It, what's been your experience with that? What's your experience with other people your age with that? With the idea that in the church there are roles of um, authority, real authority, where somebody has spiritual authority in your life. How does that affect you? Um,
0: me first. Yeah. Go for okay, it. I'm going. Uh, for me, in general, uh, it can be a little weird because I think I like to, um, as, as an American, you know. I like things to be pretty uh do what you want, you know, don't don't get in anyone's lane type of thing. hmm Um America. Right. But also me being raised a Christian, I also understand that and and me being someone who's messed up a lot and gotten a lot out of being admonished. Um, I also recognize that it's it's a healthy thing, um, as long as you have, you know, trust for your leadership, um and and a relationship with them that that is beneficial to you?
2: Uh, I don't like authority. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like, <laughs> actually it probably is. I'm pretty sure it's a green day song. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty
1: sure there's a rage against the machine. Song right. There's just like all these punk
2: <laughs> songs. And like, I don't know, that's what I listened to when I was in high school. And so like, it's still very true. And that's just how I grew up as like, I'm a very independent person. And like, I don't need people telling me what to do. And, you know, I got this. And if I don't, then I will ask for help maybe. Um, but probably not because I can probably do it. Um, and I feel like that's, uh, at least for me and my friend group, uh, friends, my age, I feel like a lot of us think that we got it and like, we don't really need the help. We don't really need the, the scolding or, you know, um, we can, we can be individuals and we don't need the authority telling us what to do. Um, I, and I don't, and I I have a lot of friends that aren't believers. And so for me, I don't think that I even know if my friends who aren't believers know that there's authority in the church and know that that's like the way that like the church works and they don't understand, I guess, that system. Um, And I don't think that they, if they did, I don't know that they would trust it because I think they see a lot of um, broken authority and broken leadership in the world. And so I think coming into that it would be surprising for them and it's something that they would really have to like rest wrestle through and work with as have I just because like I don't have a lot of trust for people and so who is this person telling me what to do how I can do it better um like what do they know like they don't know my life like you do you I think I've I've talked about this in this podcast before it's like everybody does their own thing leave me alone like I don't need you telling me what to do I don't need your authority like I got it by myself, and like I think my generation is all about this like equality kick. Like there's no authority, there's no leadership. We should all be on the same playing, like level playing field, and like you do your own thing, and everybody stay out of my way.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm
2: not saying that that's to right. Fair, I just feel like fair, that that's how the it is. Leadership
1: that you have over you in this church is just a mess. So <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, uh, just like everyone. Let else. me ask you this, and see if this 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 helps at all. How do you feel about Scripture being an authority? Forget people for a second. How do you feel about Scripture being an authority in your life?
2: That's more trustworthy for me just because I've seen it be faithful. Like, I don't know, God's Word is faithful. And, like, uh, for me, I have a personal testimony that the Bible stands true because of um, not only, like, the miracles that I read in it, but, um, you know, God's, like, truth just working in my life and, like, having impact and doing miraculous things in my life and, like, in my emotions and my, you know, mentality. Um, and so scripture is a lot easier for me to trust to, than, than people because, I don't know, it stands the test of time and it's—the it's, words are very comforting and truthful to me.
1: What about you, Hunter? Yeah,
0: I mean— Something written down in general, I trust more than something that's spoken.
1: Yeah. Okay, let me read you something in scripture. You ready? Uh oh. <laughs> um, let me urge you, <laughs> We're We're gonna urge gonna you brethren, told. to recognize those who are over you yes. in the Lord and admonish yes. you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be a peace among yourselves. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean,
2: it's written and spoken. <laughs> it's,
1: it's all there, guys. It is. It is. Uh, you know, and the and the bottom line is, is that is that, and we'll get into this in a second. The uh, uh, people who have abused authority and so on. Obviously, any authority or any admonishing that's coming, uh, scolding should be very rare, right? But admonishing in general is somebody who has been um, called by the Lord to be in a certain role within the church, where all they're really doing is speaking Scripture to you. Right? Because if they're outside of that, then they're not an authority. That's yeah. They don't have authority to go outside of Scripture. So they're only the people who can say to you, hey, Hunter, this thing in your life, this sin in your life, is causing you or your wife or your family or people in the church problems or offenses or whatever, and Scripture's clear about what you're supposed to do. That's the authority. So it's really yeah. nothing more than someone speaking to you the Scriptures, which you say you trust, and the Scriptures say that there are going to be those who are in authority to do that. Right. Um. So from that perspective, I think we can all at least... Philosophically, For like sure. mentally, go like okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. But then the question is, okay, so how does it work?
2: Right, practically, right. right.
1: And so that's where we've run into all kinds of problems, right? And and I, it, not too much time goes by before we hear about another pastor or another, you know, missionary, another whoever just blowing up and doing crazy stuff and. You know, running off with a secretary or becoming a drunk or, or being addicted to drugs or, you know, going, you know, sexual sin, all that kind of stuff. Right. And, and, or abusing their authority or abusing people in the church, things like that. And I think that's what gives us that pause of like, I'd rather just not have authority than take the risk that someone's going to be using their authority in a way to hurt me. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Is that where you guys are at? Yeah, I think. And
0: I, I think that there's a lot of people who just don't want anything to do with any sort of authority. But I also think there's a lot of people who would like authority in their lives, if they thought they could trust any authority. I think a lot of people would accept an authority that they deem trustworthy, but they just don't think that they
1: can trust any type of authority. Yeah,
2: I, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah.
1: You want to add something to that?
2: No, I would. I would agree.
1: It seems like and you're probably hearing the the dog barking that she's, she's somewhat she has something to say about the authority <laughs> that's authority. in her life, which is you, Kristen. So I, <gasps> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, um, I think that <clears throat> when we work through something like authority, obviously there's a human reaction against authority. I think that that reaction is one that is of the flesh, yeah. right? Not of the spirit. I think that the spirit is submissive mm-hmm. to God too godly authority. Like we understand that God's God and we're not like yeah. in at our best in, in our spirit. That's where we are. Yeah. So we are, I think in a place when we're at our best, when we're in the spirit, where we recognize even desire, definitely desire um, to live a life that is submitted to Christ, that is submitted to God's authority. I think that's where we are at our best. Would you agree with that? Yeah.
2: Yes. No.
1: Thanks for the long answers. Um, <laughs> and it's let like me tell talking you to my teenagers. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. So we're, mm-hmm. we are, we're in that state, right? And so it's, it's when we're in our flesh that we're like, no, no one's going to tell me what to do. Ultimately, those who reject God do it for this reason. They reject his authority. They reject anyone, including God, as having the right to tell them what they ought to do. To tell them that that they can't be their own god, um, and so authority is an important issue. I think that when we're talking about authority within the church, like this, we're not talking about people actually having uh, real authority over you. We're talking about God exercising His authority through those people through through the people who He's put in those roles. And so then the question becomes: Okay, what are we looking for as those who want to be led? As those who in the Spirit want to be led by Christ? And, and understand that scripture has people who do that. What are we looking for in those people? What are the things that make us feel comfortable about people's authority? What are the things that make us feel uncomfortable?
2: For me, I think it, it really, like I said before, it just comes down to like trust. Um, I think those people have to know who I am and know me and have a relationship with me. And I have to um, know that they love me. Um, and so really it's just about a relationship Um, Before I can have any respect for that person, especially like a person of authority. And it's something I really struggle with authority from male figures in my life because I've just really struggled with respecting males in general. So um, it's harder for me to trust male authority because there's been, I guess, in my life, more negative examples of male authority in my life than female authority.
1: What about you, Hunter? You also distrust male authority? Uh I don't know. I think I'm I think I'm all right there personally, but you you equally distrust both male and female authority?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay. Well at least
1: <laughs> at least you're for equality wait, wait, wait. and you're distrust. I
0: equally trust male and, okay. and female authority. That sounds
1: better. Yeah. Um Yeah. Anything else you want to add there? No, 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 no. Okay. All right. See how much trouble you can get yourself into. Back panel. I think that this, this goes back to this, the concept that I sometimes refer to as drive-by discipleship. Yeah. So sometimes people will do what I refer to as drive-by discipleship, which is they come in to correct... Without having built any kind of relationship, so you know they see they find out that Hunter's got an issue with whatever it is. Okay, and they don't even know Hunter, or they barely they go to church together, but they're basically acquaintances at best. And they come by and they're like, "Just so you know, you shouldn't be doing blah blah blah." Fill in the blank, right? Yeah, like like you ought not to be doing that. And they may be completely right, but they haven't built the relationship with you. To be in a place to be the one to disciple you on it. Mm-hmm. And so it comes off as offensive. It comes off as, you know, uh, as as hurtful, uh, things like that, as where somebody who loves you and knows you and cares about you and whatever, when they come to you and they're like, hey, you know, you, the scripture says, the same thing. Scripture says you shouldn't be doing this. You're taking that for a place of, well, I know this person loves me, cares about me. They've built a relationship with me. So it's easier for me to take admonishment from them.
0: Yeah. And it's not going to be. Helpful because they're not going to be sticking around with you through that struggle either. They're going right. to, they're going to dump.
1: They're going to drive on by.
0: Yeah, they're going to they're going to dump whatever they they feel is a pro- your problem on you, and they're not going to help
1: you sort it out. Yeah, yeah. A, a lack of investment, but a, but a desire to exercise leadership or authority is not a good combination.
0: Now, yeah. if somebody comes in and they're just kind of an acquaintance, and they you know they point something out that's wrong with me, but they. In, in that very act are showing me that they care and that they want more than just an acquaintanceship with me sure. um, and they're going to stick through this thing with me then you know I might be offended at first but that will heal as I realize that they're not just some jerk trying to tell me how to live my life they're um, someone who actually cares about how I live my life and and my, um, my life they, they care about my life you know
1: well and it depends on whether you've invited them into a discipleship role, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, when but I you, don't
0: know. I think sometimes I'm not looking. I'm not invite. I'm not inviting people into a discipleship role in my life when I should be. And so maybe um, they are providing that for me when I don't know that I need it.
1: Yeah, that could. I mean, that could happen.
0: But it makes. You know, I don't want to like encourage people like, oh, go find somebody that right. you can start. I think most people
1: aren't inviting many people into a disabled <laughs> role, right? Life. And that's what I'm um, saying.
0: It might be. It might be something that I am initially offended by. But if that person shows genuine concern and love for me, and they, uh, they don't just, they don't just drop this on me and leave, then okay, like, I'm I'm more willing to listen. I'm more willing to uh, respect their their admonishment.
1: Well, let's talk about what the lifestyle of a person who is called into a role like this, you've probably read uh, you know, in, in First Timothy and Titus, the uh, what, what an elder and a deacon are supposed to be lifestyle-wise, right? Yeah. How important is it that the person who's bringing admonishment is living a life in the Spirit, living a life that shows they have the fruit of the Spirit, living a life that shows that their behavior is aimed towards love and service? How far how, how far does that go towards making your trust easier? How, how far does that go towards um, helping you be able to accept their authority? And it, when the opposite is true, how does that affect you?
2: I think when the opposite of true, when it's the opposite of true, if the person is willing to like own up to their mistake or like something that's wrong or maybe something that they don't have all figured out or something that they don't do perfectly and kind of own that part and be honest and like, I don't know, not pretend like they have it all together. That's helpful in, you know, their role of authority. I think it makes them a more realistic person. I mean, I think it's important that they have all those things, don't get me long, wrong. And for most, you know, they're living that lifestyle out. Mm-hmm. But like we can't be perfect. And I think that's one thing for me is I I want realness in a person. I don't want a person saying that they have it all together and like, look at me, I have a good family and you know, like I have a good relationship with my wife and da-da-da. Like that's great. I'm all for people having their act together, but it's gonna make you more real of a person. And I'm going to actually take your advice more to heart if I know the other side of you as well and like know that you did make mistakes, that you are making mistakes, that you have things, you know, um to work through because For me, I don't know, it's more relatable for me and I can trust that like, maybe they've gone through a similar situation or the same situation and they come out the other side of it and are fruitful or are, you know, have a deeper relationship with the Lord. And so I really admire realness and authenticity um, a lot. And those people who should look like leaders and um, the way that the Bible describes those people in Timothy and Mm -hmm. Titus.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. If if someone's got like so many of their own problems, that I'm like, I don't I don't even know if I can trust what you're saying. Like, I don't even know that I think that you understand what a healthy lifestyle is. So, <laughs> right, I don't know that I'm gonna take anything that you um, say to heart because it's just I don't want to end up like you. If you're maybe, a hot mess, right? <laughs> if, if I listen to what you're saying, I'm probably gonna end up like you. And I can see that's something I don't I don't uh, see as Christ-like. Um, and, and like you said, Kristen, if, if they have, uh, if like on the realness side of things, um, you know, yeah, I, I respect that as well. If someone's not trying to make it seem like, hey, I have my act together yeah. um, because I, I know if you're a person, you probably don't totally have your act together. But if um, if they're like, man, I can not get my drinking problem under control. But here, let me explain to you how to get your gambling problem under control. It's like, uh, I don't, I don't know that you're in a place. I think we both should go find someone to work with both yeah. of us
1: uh, right now. <laughs> right, uh, and and to be fair, the or or to be accurate, the expectations of an elder and a deacon are not perfection. no, no. there are certain things that. That are kind of a, a, a non-starter, right? Yeah, you have to have certain things, but it's yeah. by no means is any is any elder deacon, pastor, whatever you want to, however you want to look at it, going to be perfect. Right. It would be nonsense, um, and so I absolutely agree with you, Christian. But it did say above reproach. That's right, Which but the, but reproach yeah. on on certain things like sexual morality. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: what is the difference between being reproached and admonished?
1: Um, well, those, you could use those words like, for, for the same thing, I suppose, but above reproach means essentially, yes, that nobody, that the, the essence of that statement is that you're, that there's nothing that's going on in your life that would cause insiders or outsiders mm-hmm. to be able to call you to account for the kinds of things that we're talking about in, uh, in, uh first Timothy and in Titus that are requirements of an elder, right? So you're talking about drunkenness, right? Sexual morality, right? Having, having your home, you know being a good leader a spiritual leader in your own home because if you're not a good spiritual leader in your own home how are you going to be a spiritual leader right, at the in church, the church yeah. you know things like that you have to be above reproach on those things you can't be making mistakes because those are the kinds of things that disqualify you not as a believer like oh god's not but God's done leadership. with you but yeah. as a leader okay. and someone who's called to admonish and call other people into these things you need to have those things straight it doesn't mean you have to have everything straight right. it just means that you need to be in, in a position where those are not your struggles because if those are your struggles, they disqualify you from leadership, not from all service, not from all, right. but from leadership. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, if you're, if you're not aiming at those things, every believers and aiming at those things, you're probably not growing mm-hmm. in the Lord. So every believer should be aiming at those things, but they're absolutely n- necessary for those who are elders, deacons, pastors, and so on. Um, and, and, and I think that, we have an expectation that those who lead us are are doing their best in those areas and are willing, as, as you said, Kristen, to admit if they're not to to step down, maybe if they're not for a time until they get that in order. Um, which is which I've seen people do, and it, and it's good for them. They step down, they get they get that stuff figured out, they come back in a strong position, um, being willing to admit that you're not perfect, being willing to admit that. You got stuff to work on. Without doing that, then you're just not being real at all. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of pastors, and you guys have been in churches, you know, pretty much your whole life. I think a lot of pastors feel a pressure that they're supposed to be perfect, mm-hmm. and that people expect them to be perfect, and that it, and that almost that people need them to be perfect, and so they're afraid to admit their own stuff because then maybe they're worried that they would not be able to be a pastor anymore, or, or, or that the people would freak out on them, or whatever. Is that your experience with with pastors in the past,
0: uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I, 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 don't know that I've been close enough to any um, one pastor to really be able to tell um, that deeply what type of um, struggles they were like hiding and not feeling comfortable to. But I can um, very easily tell how that could be so, and um, you know, I don't, I haven't seen a lot of pastors be super transparent about. Um, what their struggles are what their imperfections are because yeah I think I think they feel a pressure that maybe maybe they're not so like um, is it maybe it's not like a pride issue I mean it, it probably is somewhat a pride issue but it's probably not like a blatant i I don't want to be seen as um, uh, as flawed I just don't want to be seen as incapable of doing my job they, they want to they want to be the best pastor they can be, and so they think that they need to um, hide those, those struggles that they have um, from their congregation in order to be that person, um, and I don't know that that's totally true. I think, I think that a pastor has to be um, more guarded than the average congregant, but uh, I don't think that it means that they need to completely hide their struggles and be um, perfect. Yeah, on the outside.
2: I agree. I would also agree with I don't think I've been close enough to a pastor to like know what their struggles are, but I I agree I can definitely see the tendency of feeling that pressure to be per- perfect, which I think is the enemy because like even being on staff at a church, like I can succumb to that pressure sometimes, like and that feeling of like, oh, like I can't like Let this, like, my personal life affect my work life and kind of like trying to divide these two things into separate compartments when they shouldn't be in separate compartments. Like, they should be one. And like, I should have a transparentness and like be willing to be like, okay, I'm having a bad day. Like, I'm grieving and be okay with that and not be like, oh, I can't, you know, let these kids see that I'm upset about something because, you know, then they're not gonna like listen to me and take me seriously. Like, to an extent, it's it's okay to be real in ministry or like as a pastor and like hint to these struggles. And I think it makes you more personable as a person. So it's definitely a struggle that I, I can see how people fall into because I think it's the enemy. And it's you know like you have to um, rise to this certain standard. Um, but I also think that that's not what the Spirit wants, and hmm. the Lord puts us in these roles of leadership and lead of service to grow us and to um, use those you know, those pressures to remind us like, hey, like it's not compartmentalizing. Like you don't have to be perfect in this role. Like I can use you just where you are, just how you are, just where you're at, like in those emotions, oh, in those feelings, in whatever, you know, I mean, not saying that, you know, you shouldn't be working on your sin or whatever because you should, but I just think that like, it's it's definitely an enemy thing of the pressure of being perfect. And, you know, I have to be this person. I have to look this way. I have to have my act together when really like that's not what God wants. Like I think God changes people, um, through the positions and um, where he puts them. Mm-hmm.
1: So. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I have not. This has not been one that's been a big struggle for me. Um, like I've got my own stuff, and I feel like I'm pretty. Like I don't really. Well, you hire, are. Like I, I, I don't feel really. Like you are that, transparent but I also it. didn't come in as a pastor, right? I can right. I, I started as an attorney and came into, got called into the ministry, and, and ended up being a pastor. But I'm here completely at the. At the mercy and grace mm-hmm. of the Lord. And if he, if all of a sudden everybody goes, no, you're, I'm sorry, but you're not qualified or you're what, then I go back to being a lawyer. You know, right. like it's not, it's not, uh, and I mean, I, obviously I would be upset about that. I, I love ministering to the people, I love Christ Church, all those kinds of things. But I'm just saying, I don't feel as much of that. I don't feel like, our generation is putting those same kinds of expectations on pastors that maybe that maybe the generations before did. Um, when I was growing up and I was younger, you know, through the '80s and, and the '90s and stuff, church was a little bit more like polished or yeah. like, uh, like you had to fit into sort of a cookie cutter and I can see the kind of pressure that's on pastors. I'm not sure that pressure is there anymore. Mm. I think people want more authenticity yeah. from their pastors. Um, so and so I, I don't, I don't feel it as much as I see some others feel it. There's Some other pastors that I would talk to would talk in those terms like, well, I could never, I could never be just like vulnerable with people in my church. I'm like, why? Yeah, Like a, if you're doing something so messed up that like you should be disqualified and you're probably disqualified so you probably just stop being a pastor right and if you're not then then just let the lord sort that out like yeah. just be who you like you like you're you're gonna make mistakes i make mistakes everybody yeah. makes mistakes nobody thinks that you don't make mistakes right so. and
2: god works through those too right. and so that's like my thing is like you know when you you know aren't feeling like this paul like when i feel like i'm not living up to this polished like presentation of what like you know a kids director should look like you know I'm like wait no like God's gonna use me where I'm at there's a reason for why I'm here and like I just need to be honest with him and myself and those around me so that way I can learn and be taught and like grow in my relationship with Christ because if I continue to put this pressure of I'm fine I'm like perfect I fit into this box then like I don't think as much is going to be accomplished, at least for me. Like, I'm not going to grow and I'm not being authentic. And then maybe, you know, who who knows? Maybe somebody needs me to be authentic and real and vulnerable so that they can be. So it's not only impacting me and my growth, you know, it's it's impacting my ministry. It's impacting, you know, my friends who I go to church with and have relationships with. Like, I think it's just super important for leaders and people who are serving. Like, if we're defining leadership as service, it's so important to be vulnerable and transparent to those that are alongside you. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I think that there's a big aspect to which, you know, each one of us, you know, Hunter as worship and media director, you as Kids director, and myself as sort of the teaching pastor, lead lead guy, we, all of us are doing a, teaching in a certain way.
2: yeah.
1: And and we've got, if we're not teaching ourselves, as well as those who God's called us to teach, then there's something a little jacked up about it right like if i'm preaching scripture it should be to me first and and yeah. then to everybody else and mm-hmm. if i don't see it that way like i see oh well i've got this all figured out this is all for these folks then i think that you lose the connection mm-hmm. of love and 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 relationship with people and i think that you're lying to yourself uh-huh. about your own needs if you think you're uh, so far advanced in the spirit that you could never fall, that you could never make these mistakes. Even if you're not making that particular mistake right now, which usually I'm making all of them, so that's not really a problem for (laughs) you, but even if you feel like you're not making that mistake right now, you should be preaching it to yourself as much as anybody else. And what that does is it helps people not to feel like, okay, the pastor who never lets us know that he's anything but perfect, also expects us, if we're real Christians, to be perfect, which means I've got to walk in here and and hide all my Mm -hmm. stuff and and keep all that separate and put the smile, the plastic smile on and pretend like everything's perfect in my life, or else everybody else is going to think I'm not a Christian and and I'm going to somehow get kicked out of this place or or be rejected or become a pariah or or be alienated. And that's the last thing that Christ would ever want in his church is for for people to feel that way.
2: Right, and it goes back to having childlike faith. And one of my favorite things like to watch in kids ministry is when these new believers come in and they say, I don't I don't know what I'm doing. I like, I'm a new Christian. I just got baptized. Like, I don't know how to teach a Bible story to kids. And I'm like, it's okay. Like, let me walk you through it. We have this script, you know, like just follow along these guidelines. And then to hear, you know, about what they learned about the Bible that day, you know, like maybe they had never heard that Bible story or that kid's story. And like that, the fact that like they are teaching these kids, the Bible, and then themselves like learning those lessons and taking those lessons and applying them to their life. Even if it's watered down to like a kid's level, that's so just empowering and like it's just amazing to me like some of my you know people that have grown the most started out in kids ministry being new believers and they've just learned so much by like teaching these kids lessons and not thinking like, oh, here's another story about Noah's Ark. Like, I already know this one, you know, and like actually applying it and having that childlike faith and letting it transform them and affect them. Like, it's such a beautiful thing to watch. And I think that exactly like you said, more leaders need to go in teaching sermons and preaching as taking it to themselves first and before it, they, you know, teach it and thinking that they have it all together.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah I kind of, when I'm when I'm approaching Trying to lead worship maybe i'm trying to prepare like some scripture to read or um or i'm just leading the team in like prayer or um a devo i i'm just thinking what what what's going to help me be in a better place to worship the lord uh and um is that something that's going to help this congregation also so so really i'm just i'm, I'm kind of just i'm probably going to be an effective minister if i'm Effectively ministering to myself, if mm-hmm. I'm effectively mm-hmm. um, letting God minister to me, I'm probably going to be an effective minister to the people because I'm going to just pass the same thing um, to them. And you know, there are things that are so specific to me that's like, okay, that's that's for me. That's that's something that I'm sure. growing in. Um, but you know, maybe the Spirit's saying this is for you and it's for them. Uh, uh, take this and, and and pass it along. Um, that's that's really how I how I minister. It's not. Oh, here's here's something that I've figured out that I can bring to them. It's here's something that I'm figuring out.
2: Yeah,
1: let
0: me share it with you. Yeah,
1: I think you got I think you've got to lead in the way that you'd want to be led. Yes, and then you got to teach the. You got to preach the sermon you you'd want to hear. You got to. You got to do the worship that you'd want to worship to. You got to do the axe kid stuff that you would that you would uh, want to have done for you. I mean, yeah. it's, it it goes down to look. God's God's not asking you to try to figure some crazy thing out, like he's put it in you. He's yeah. made you who you're supposed to be. And so, and when you do that, and when that's happening like on a regular, I think when we come back to this, you know, circling back to the authority issue, I think people are just much more comfortable with leaders who they know are are being led by Christ Definitely. and are and are desiring their best and are serving them and are doing the kinds of things that they would want, right? So so the, the people are being treated in the way that the person who's treating them that way would want to be treated. And, and I think that that brings not only an authenticity, not only a comfort level, but just a trust. Yeah. And that trust is not in the person, it's in God. It's like, yes. okay, I can see, Lord, that you're working through this person and to the extent that you're working through that person, I can feel confident allowing this person to bring some admonishment my way from time to time, to bring that that word that I need to hear. I might might rustle up against it a little bit, but I know I need to hear it. I know I need to walk forward because they're not lording authority over me they're seeking that this act of admonishment is more like an act of washing my feet than it Mm -hmm. is an act of telling me what to do Mm -hmm. and if that can be the case then it can work it doesn't it doesn't take away any of the lord's authority it just puts it in a context it's more like jesus Mm -hmm. than like the gentiles right exactly um and so i think that that that's where we need to be with that and and when we're there i think all of us do better as the body of christ walking forward all right. Next, next little section here that we dealt with on Sunday is taking it from leadership to everybody. Verse fourteen says, "Now we exhort you, brethren: warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all." So, we just talked about those who admonish you, and so on. Um, and now we're saying, "Look, everybody, everybody, you gotta, you gotta warn the unruly. The unruly basically be just think of it as." Anybody who's out of line, right? Um, you're supposed to warn them. So I know that we have a problem with authority in general. But we also kind of have a problem like getting in anybody's business, you know, the whole again, Kristen, your whole you yeah. do you, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, postmodern uh, whatever, uh, which is is not postmodern. It's always been around, you know, do You, I'm OK, you're OK. You don't say anything negative about me and I won't say anything negative about you, um, that type of thing. But but clearly in Scripture, we're called to something different here. We're called to warn the unruly. Um, and so how do you feel about that? Have you had experiences with that that have gone well, that have gone poorly?
2: I don't like it. It makes me feel awkward. Um, I don't like conflict, and so I feel like that's just, like, walking right into it. But again, it really depends on the context of the situation. I'm not going to go start something on Facebook with someone that I used to go to high school with and be like, you are out of line, or blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. If... If I do, you just ruined
1: my next podcast idea. That's what we were going to do. Sorry. (laughs) Just scroll through Facebook.
2: I won't. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Looking for like people who used bad cuss words or something. Uh, Right. No. Call them up and be like, hey.
2: I I will say I have one unbeliever friend that I I feel the most comfortable doing this with. And I would say I would do it with the most regularity. Um, And that's because I've been friends with her pretty much my whole life. And she knows that I'm coming out of a place of love for her. And, um, she knows, you know, that I'm a Christian and, um, she knows that I pray for her often. And, um, so she knows where I'm coming from and she doesn't, I guess, lump me in with a lot of other judgy Christians, which is just how she like views Christianity. Um, and so she's really the only person I kind of, how do I, I don't want to say redirect, but I'm just like, hey, maybe that's not cool, or like, you really shouldn't be doing this, or you know, you're focusing on the wrong things here. Um And like I said, that's because I've had a relationship with her for a really, really long time, and she knows that I'm not coming from a place of judgment, but from a place of love.
1: Well, and and that's I'd say that's almost more like the evangelistic side, like leading someone towards moral living, because ultimately we're trying to show them that moral living is in line with Christ. This is actually more like other people other believers. People in the church. Oh, oh, oh. Right. Yeah. So well, yeah, so you're yeah. supposed to <laughs> your other brothers and sisters that are off base, out of whack, you're you're to be warning them. You're to be admonishing them. Um have you had to do that with people in the church? How does it yeah how does it feel? It's um, still awkward. I still oh, don't like yeah. it. It's
2: like conflict. I hate conflict. I like I just I don't like it. I don't like being the one starting it. I don't like being the one to open that door. I don't like you know, any room for like an argument or anything like that. Um, But I definitely have had to do that. And it usually doesn't initially go well. Um, um, But God uses it for good and uses it as like a good communication and growth opportunity. And um, I always have to remember that when the time arises that I do need to um, have one of those conversations with my brother and sisters in Christ Um, and remember that God's going to be faithful and that, even though it's going to be hard.
1: Hunter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something I don't like to do. I don't, and it's not like something that I do very often. Um, but occasionally, you know, I have to say, it might, it might just be like something in a conversation like, wait, 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 you just said that thing. I don't know if that's, that's a good thing that you just said, you know, sometimes it's as simple as that or sometimes it's something that, um, happened between people that, um, I'm trying to step in and, and admonish in that. But, you know, I'm young, and it's kind of uh, weird for yes. me to be doing that when uh, Amen. <laughs> I'm younger than... Stop me. Stop
1: giving me excuses. I want action. Right, right. It's I, just, and
2: it makes it weird. It's just more awkward, because you definitely put it, yourself up for more like judgment. Because yeah, people are like, you're 20-something years old. What do you know about this? And you're just like, oh, I'm like, sorry. The, well, like, you
1: can read the Bible like anybody else, right?
0: Right, right. And it, But it's like the social structure is already awkward to step in and ad- admonish somebody in in the, in the social climate that we live in right yes. now um, and it's even weirder when you're you know 5, 10, 25, 40 years younger than somebody else that you're talking to. I thought to. you were saying how tall you were at first <laughs> <laughs> you're 5, <laughs> 10 you're and five 20 10. something years old
1: like what does that have to do with it <laughs> uh, oh, that's good no you're you're more than 5, 10 aren't you what are you 5, 10 5, 10
2: I'm not 5, 10 5, 5, 10. Okay. Right. 10.
1: <laughs> <laughs> 5 10 um yeah. Okay. I mean, I think it's, I think it's incredibly awkward. Um, anytime that you have to, to warn someone, admonish them, whatever, whether it's from a position of leadership or from a position of just they're your brother and sister in Christ, I think it's tough. I think it's tough in our culture. And yet we have a clear call to do it. It's not like, you know, oh, maybe you should do it. It's hey, we exhort you to do this um, because we need it. We need it. You know, I can, I can probably talk more about the times I've been exhorted than yeah. the times I've had to exhort that would have been somebody a more, else. Yeah, a more a relevant question. Uh, me. But I know that 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 the uh, those who have who have admonished me and who have held me accountable, um, I have them to thank for a lot of the growth that the Holy Spirit has done in my life. And so I know that it's important, and I know that for them it's hard to do too. Um, But it's been it's been good. This next little part here, of course, it says comfort the faint hearted, uphold the weak. Be patient with all. All of those are obviously great and really standard, uh, you know, um, things that we as believers should be doing. Uh, The next one, though, says see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Um, How do have either of you had a hard time? working through things like forgiveness, and not wanting revenge, and not wanting to see um, justice done or meted out to those who have hurt you. Have you guys struggled with that at all? Have you seen others in your life struggle with it?
2: It's something I struggle with a lot. Um, I tend to be on the side, I err on the side of what I think is to be over forgiving. Um, But what I have learned very recently, very recently as in like the past few weeks is that, um, I'm not really being overly forgiving. I'm just sweeping things under the rug and pretending like it doesn't bother me. Um, because, you know, it's just easier to kind of forget than forgive. And I think we say forgive and forget a lot, but I don't think that's what the Bible calls us to do. I think the Bible calls us to, um, forgive, but remember, um, and take those, those times, um, seriously, but at the same time, like, forgiving a brother or sister in Christ or a spouse or a friend or whatever. Um, And that's like a process of you relinquishing control and relinquishing justice um, to God. And so all my life, I thought I was over forgiving. I was a very forgiving person. Um, But until I heard forgiveness in the terms of relinquishing justice and that control of justice to God, I realize that I'm not a forgiving person because I very, very, very rarely do that. Um, and so forgiveness is something I'm really working on in my life right now of really, really giving justice um, and consequences and th- the control of that to the Lord and have him working on my heart so I can truly forgive people and not just sweep things under the rug and pretend like they don't bother me and pretend like they're not a big deal.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't, think I particularly like, like get hung up on um, things that are done to me or um, like, like wanting revenge or um, sort some sort of uh, justice that I can witness, you know, like, I don't, I don't like feel a need to see like, okay, I, I was offended this way. I need to see some sort of justice delivered to this person. Um, uh, have you ever own. been offended? <laughs> oh, what? What? Can you explain the term to me? Yeah, I mean, no.
1: ha- have you ever had anybody do no, anything? I, Honestly, though, have right, you ever right, had right, anybody right, yeah, really yeah. like hurt you?
0: No, I have had very few, like, very hurtful things done to me, um, and so, yeah, I guess I might not like fully be able to speak to that, but um, you know, every once in a while, there's something that that really bothers me, um, and. I might be more like what what Kristen says, where I just I, I don't necessarily, um, forgive it in a healthy way and a in a redemptive way. I more just kind of sweep it under the rug and forget it, um, which, you know, usually, that rug gets moved at some point and you like realize oh yes. I have this I have this uh this hurt that I never uh, this wound yeah that I never <laughs> that I never reconciled with this yes. person um, and so, uh. Yeah, while, while my hurts have not been that great of ones, I, I think I can still kind of um, see how I tend to deal with those types of things um, in the in the scale that I have dealt with them.
2: And if you want to hear more about forgiveness from like a Christian perspective, um, Patrick Doyle, if you YouTube Patrick Doyle Forgiveness, he does some like amazing talks about um, what like true forgiveness is for a person? If you have like a lot of those wounds and you are really hurting and you're aching for forgiveness, I just look that up because it's it's really really good. Okay, that's all. <laughs> is he Irish?
1: not Irish. No,
2: I, I mean I don't think well, so. I don't know.
1: Clearly, his name is coming from somewhere around there. <laughs> um, I I think you, you know you said something. Should we said supposed to forgive but not forget? I think what you mean by that, I hope what you mean by that is that we're not forgetting. Uh, we're not we're not going to become unwise um, and right. be like oh oh Allowing. yeah that's right i'm or uh, dismissive. i forgot that you that yesterday you, right. you you know mugged me and so today i went right back in the same situation obviously right. we are forgetting our own desire for justice we are forgetting our own um, w- anything we're holding against the person that but courage. we're not being unwise right, right. we're not right. we're not walking or back dismissive into or, right
2: or yeah right that's yeah. what i mean he, right. he explains it in the video if no. you go watch it.
1: So <laughs> rejoice always. Mm. How hard is that?
2: That's hard for me. I like to complain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, you yeah. don't complain that much. Mm. Um, <laughs> oh, so it's have my back. Not to you me don't listen face. that I'm much. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Or maybe David just doesn't listen
0: me.
2: <gasps> oh. That's true. I yeah.
1: listen. <laughs> no, I mean, rejoice always. Tell me, obviously, it cannot mean... You know, I talked about it on Sunday. I don't even know if you were in there, Kristen. You I wasn't. Back
2: I kids. got pulled back into kids.
1: So rejoice always. I'm going to let you sort of. I want to since you weren't in there and didn't hear what I had to say about it. Walk through it for me. What do you think that means? Because it, it clearly doesn't mean be happy all the time. So what, what do you think that that means? What is what is what is God asking us to do when He says rejoice always?
2: Um, this is going to sound so cliche, and I kind of want to like throw up for saying it. But just count like, your blessings and be think, thankful for you know the things that He he is putting in your life and, um, the, the, the daily things that he, you know, grants us and gives us like those things like mercy and, and grace and, um, I don't know, rejoice, re- rejoice in those things, I guess. That's my guess.
0: Yeah. And I, I wasn't there. So I, you know, <gasps>
2: did I get it right? Yeah, I yeah. think so.
0: <laughs> um, I mean, I don't think you're wrong. What, what you were saying, what David was saying in the, uh, in the sermon on Sunday was. Um, in in times of struggle and in, in times of sorrow, um, you rejoice because you remember, um, yeah, yeah. You basically got it. You remember the good things that God has done in your life. You remember the joy that you have in the resurrection and yeah. in um, your salvation. Yeah, um, you rejoice in those things. Um, it, it's it's out of faith and and trust in God. Um, that. Despite what you're going through, you you rejoice in the goodness that is God. yeah,
1: that. yeah I think I think so. I, I you know you rejoice, <laughs> you rejoice in all D- of those minus. things. No, I no, I think that's, I think you're right. Uh, you, you know you rejoice at, at some level in your hope, right? Yeah. You have a hope in your salvation. You have a hope that all things will be made new. You have a belief that God will work all things together for good um uh, those are the things that you rejoice in even though the feelings you have to acknowledge I, I feel bad yeah. you know we just lost John you know Kristen's mm-hmm. uh, stepdad and he was a very special guy to all of us and and you know how do you rejoice in the midst of, of pain like that well you don't rejoice that you don't get to be with John anymore that's just <laughs> sad yeah. but you rejoice about the fact that he's with the Lord you rejoice about all the time that you got to have with him you rejoice about uh, the fact that you're going to see him again. You rejoice about the fact that all things are going to be made new. You rejoice about the fact that we've been saved and all of those kinds of things. I think you can still rejoice in those things in your heart while at the same time being sad and grieved. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. you can.
1: Yeah. Um, pray without ceasing. Uh, mm. You know, that's just, that's just a lifestyle. It's just a discipline, right? You just yeah. be with the Lord. Let him, let him mm-hmm. you know be talking to the Lord all the time, all day long. I, I You know, that's, that's not a, a difficult one um, to understand, but it's a difficult one to, to be disciplined enough to practice. I yeah, think. yeah. Um, in everything, give thanks. This goes with rejoice always, right? That, mm-hmm. Those those are connected for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's a lot different between everything, give thanks, and rejoice always. Which is to say, you're always in a state of thankfulness to the Lord, and you don't get in this into this place where you are. You know how the kid. You probably see this in the next kid, some maybe I don't know, but you got your two-year-olds, your three-year-olds. They got this toy, okay? They got a thousand toys. They own a thousand mm-hmm. toys, but they got this one that they're that they are playing with, and then they set it down, and some other kid picks it up. Oh yeah! And it is just like, give world me that yeah. stinking toy back. I, that's the only thing in the world that matters in the midst of their thousand toys in their room yeah. this toy is the only thing that they can't be joyful they can't mm-hmm. be thankful about the thousand other toys it's just this toy and we see that when we go look at these kids they're terrible and then we do it ourselves yeah. <laughs> you know something that we get upset about something that happens or something that gets taken away from us or this thing is where we're at, and we completely forget about all the beautiful wonderful relationships we have about all the things that god's given us about yeah. the health of our bodies about whatever um, you know i think that's where this is coming from you know I, yeah. and i think we all struggle with it yeah for mm-hmm. sure Uh, let's move on to, uh, I'm trying to finish this thing off. Um, when it talks about sanctification later and he talks about, uh, God being faithful to sanctify us, like for you, do you think about the fact that God is, is making you perfect, that he's perfecting you? Do you think about the fact that that's the process that's going on and that God's Mm going to be faithful to do it? Um, or do you put that more on yourself? You know, do you think that you're the one who sanctifying yourself, and you've got to do all this work, and you're and, and and you're not you're not measuring up to the level of sanctification that you should be at that type of thing? Do you do you rely on God for it, or do you rely on yourself for it? Talk me through that. Kristen looks to me as if to say, "I just feel like I've gotten first.
2: First. <laughs> first a lot, so and okay. I'm interested."
0: Here goes nothing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think I can. Um, I don't I don't know that I necessarily think about. Whether it's me or God doing the sanctifying, I guess, like I think, um, I do sometimes kind of say, okay, what do I need to do to become more sanctified? Uh, where scripture is clear that, that, um, God by dwelling within me through the Holy Spirit is sanctifying me. Um, I think that there, I, I can follow the Holy Spirit's lead or I can ignore it. So I think, um, I'm not totally wrong to be thinking about what, what do I do in this process of sanctification, um, but I, I do think I sometimes forget that ultimately it's not me doing anything. Um, it's, it's God working in my life. Um, it's God uh, making me uh, who he created me to be um, and, and me simply saying, Here I am, Lord. Uh, let me follow you. Let me um, do your will. Let me become... Um, the man of God that you uh, created me to be in perfection um, that I turned away from and now am being made um, new uh, as I walk on earth and will ultimately be made new um, when you return.
2: Uh, I definitely give myself a lot more credit and I'm a lot harder on myself in sanctification than I should be for sure. Um, I don't know. I talked earlier about like falling into like the pressures of the roles of, you know, um, being in ministry and being on staff at a church, of what that looks like. And I think that goes hand in hand of what am I doing to be good enough in my faith? What am I doing to grow? What am I doing, you know, to um, be good enough, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's really, really something that God is just, I'm in the season of God's just really working on me in that um, for sure. Uh, it's all of these things that I thought that I was you know, really good at and really proficient at and, um, God kind of revealed to me as idols in my life and I'm being stripped of at it and really realizing that like this process is really hard and it's been very emotionally draining. And, um, but through this process, like God is stripping me of that old and of that perfectionism, um, and that like control and showing me that like, he's got much bigger plans for me and that like, he's got me and what he has for me and what he's doing. Um, in me and for me during this time is, um, is ultimately what's going to be, the best um, for me, and um, I'm really every day having to trust that, you know, um, whether it's, oh my gosh, I didn't, you know, I didn't read my Bible today. I didn't pray enough. Like I didn't meditate, you know, um, those things are important in their daily disciplines that yes, we have to live in. Um, but I get so hard on myself when I don't do those things. And I'm like, I'm not growing. I'm not being good enough. I'm not doing what I should. And, um, I just need to learn to be more gentle with myself and, um, and know that God is going to use me and work in me, even if I don't necessarily check all the boxes of reading and praying every day um, and not trying to hold myself to that really high standard. Like I said, those things are really good things to do. They're really good um, habits to get into, uh, but I tend to really beat myself up when I I don't check those boxes. And I think, like I said, God's just in a season of um, getting rid of all the boxes for me and showing me that I can grow and that um, He... He has a plan for me, and it doesn't look like my plan, and they don't look like my boxes, and they might not always have a check in them, if you get what I'm saying. So, yeah.
1: I think that when I get to a place where I focus on God doing the work and not on me doing the work, the relief that comes with that is pretty significant. Like, when I can truly sit in the forgiveness of my sins and when I can truly be like, you know what? I don't need to sit here and be in, in... suffering and pain about this thing like I've given it to God he's taking care of it and he doesn't he doesn't desire for me to continue to feel shame and and whatever about this and like he's doing the work to sanctify me yeah that is so refreshing Mm -hmm. and gives so much relief Mm -hmm. um I think that's what we'll leave uh, you with today in this podcast is listen All of these things are calls for us, but but ultimately you got to let God do the work in you, and you got to be. I mean, obviously you got to be faithful. Obviously we got to we got to work hard. We got to seek after righteousness. We got to do all these things, but recognize that the that the power to do that is in the Holy Spirit. And whenever Mm -hmm. we try to do it in our own strength, we're getting nowhere. Nowhere. Uh, We get we get somewhere when we let the Holy Spirit work and we trust Him to do it. And so I'm going to let Kristen pray for us, and uh, we'll hit you next time.
2: Dear Father, Lord, just thank you um, for this time that we could come and talk and discuss. I just um, I pray um, over everyone who's listening, God, near or far, Lord, um, that you just um, continue to sanctify them and um, you put people, trustworthy people in their life to admonish them and call them higher um, so that they can grow in relationship with you, um, Father. I pray um, just for every single person listening who's struggling, um, with forgiveness or with sanctification, um, or, you know, with, um, people admonishing them even, Lord, I just pray that you would soften all of their hearts, Lord, um, to do what you commanded of, um, of us written in scripture, Lord, um, and that we would just lean into you during this time, Father, um, and seek out your will, um, and just remember the power of the cross and the power of your love and the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, it is not in us father, but it is in you. Mm. Um, you perfect us, you sanctify us. Um, you lift us up when we're weak and when we're faithless and you give us all that we need father. And we just thank you for that. I pray, um, that you help us be, um, more rejoiceful and more thankful, um, for all of these things that you've done for us in Jesus name. I pray. Amen.
1: Amen.